Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. A-U-N. American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human god, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about the future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the National Collective Consciousness Show with Dee Dee Farrell in Portland, Oregon, Jim Condit Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Evanston, Illinois, your host, Fred Smart. Hey, thanks, everyone. Uh, it's great to be back. I, I have been just kind of scrambling with my family and, and, and personal personal issues. Uh, my wife and I celebrated our 27th anniversary last week, and we were gone last Thursday uh, in, in a pre-planned trip. Our middle son is playing baseball up in Wisconsin and for the entire summer, and uh uh, it's just been kind of kind of a, a juggle getting some of this stuff done. But we have a very special return guest on the call tonight, Ed Vallejo, who hails from uh, from Liberty Town, Arizona, the land of liberty out there. Uh, just a, a, a guy who has been uh, everywhere uh, with his hands in so many so many corners of the liberty movement. He was a, a continent, uh, continental congress delegate from the state of Arizona out in St. Charles, Illinois. I met him in person for the first time out there, but he was a long-standing Ron Paul supporter. At the very, very, very beginning of the Ron Paul Revolution, Ed was at the front lines of getting all of the 
all of the stuff that was really launching, uh, setting the wave, uh, you know, starting the wave up in Arizona that spread all across the country. And uh, his energy, his enthusiasm, and, and his vision, and all of his connections and the way he operates, uh, we'd like to give uh, just acknowledged credit for people like Ed all across the country, all across the world, who, uh, you know, get out of their house, get out of their car, get meeting with people face-to-face and get things done because uh, uh, laying the groundwork for all of that, uh, who would have believed we, we would have a president of the United States uh, getting on Alex Jones' show, <laughs> you know, prior to him becoming president, but Donald Trump was on Alex Jones uh, more than a few times and uh, <clears throat> kind of following the tradition of what Dr. Paul did uh, many, many times. And uh, as we all know, this call started thanks to Dr. Paul, in his cameo appearance in Aaron Russo's movie, and this is what this call started as the, doc, the Ron Paul meetup call. We jumped on a bandwagon to support Dr. Paul's first presidential campaign. So tonight, Ed is going to walk us through, in a very personable, powerful, spiritual way, the the energy, energy and power of prayer, an active prayer life, and. Uh, I know uh, I talked to him yesterday about Psalm 129, but I'm sure he's going to talk about m- many more things. All of us, as we drive around, as we, as we, you know, in the dark recesses of our mind, we, we hope and we pray for a breakthrough, an opening up of the light of the truth uh, in our world to, to kind of cast out the demons of darkness forever um, away from the front lines of 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 commerce, the front lines of, of religion, because they have infiltrated every major institution and they are t- trying to destroy everything in the wake of, of, of all of these good things that, that people are trying to do as individuals and as groups. So, Ed, thanks for coming on. This is your third visit, I think, but uh, uh, really appreciate you, you taking the time out on, on the show tonight. Well, thank you very much. Um, I was going to come on and talk about politics and Antifa and Sharia and and Trump and, and all this stuff. And then when I talked to you on the phone, because that was the main thing I was going to come on for, right? Because yeah. <clears throat> March Against Sharia was last Saturday. I was with the Oath Keepers here in Phoenix, Arizona, that provided some of the security for the event. And mm-hmm. that, that was we were going to talk about. And then when I got on the phone with Fred, and we'll talk a little bit, and, I, and he was telling me about some of the oppression that he was under, feeling really oppressed. And I shared with him something personal with me, and that was the 129th Psalm. He went ahead and, and he put it out in the, the newsletter. So anybody who got the newsletter, so they, they saw his King James version of it, Okay. I read a different Bible than some of the other people. I have 38, I believe, 38 Bibles that last count. I went through a 15-year period as a, a student of comparative religion and got Bible every I could get a hold of. and did, did so much comparison, and, and that, was, that was when I was going through uh, researching and learning all about Zechariah Sitchin, and I could do a whole show just on him. But anyway... Uh, the Bible that I use was translated by a, name, by a man named George M. Lamza, and he spoke Aramaic, and he translated it from the ancient Peshitta, which was uh, translated as the true, 
And I'd like to start this evening off with the 129th Psalm that I have prayed every day for years now because a long time ago, I'm a collector of books. Many books. I got so many books. Uh, Anyway, I got books by a lady named Anna Riva. And one of them was about uh, dedication to the saints and all the different saints there were and all of the prayers to, that were guided to the, aimed at them. And one of the books she had put out that I really took to heart was using the Psalms for specific purposes. And I've been, I've been oppressed all my life up until 1983. That's when my oppression started to lift, okay? Um, And when I got this book, I looked up, and and it said, Prayer for Relief of Oppression to Pray the 129th Psalm. And I've been praying that and praying it and praying it, and it works for me because it it relieved a lot of the pressure off of me that I felt from the outside world. It it gave me solace. It gives me solace every day. It's kept the feds off my ass. How's that? I mean, I don't see why they haven't come and banged on my door up to now. But the 129th Psalm from uh, Aramaic, from the Peshitta, from George M. Lamza, is, goes as follows. My oppressors have been many from my youth. May Israel now say. My oppressors have been many from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. They have scourged me upon my back. They have made long their oppression. The Lord is righteous. He will cut asunder the cord of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turned back that hate Zion. Let them be as the grass upon the housetops, which pulls out and withers when the wind strikes it. Wherewith the reaper fills not his hand, nor he who binds sheaves his bosom. Neither do they who pass by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. This, this, this strikes me. It strikes me greatly because I feel like my oppressors have been many from my youth. I mean, from my childhood on up. I, my parents divorced when I was five and my mother remarried. I didn't have much contact with my father, my my, my mother and my stepfather moved away. They tried to get away from my dad. I right? didn't want him to have contact with me. Well, after a short time in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, from where I was born in California, I had asthma as a child. And it was no good for me back there. couldn't handle it. So they moved me out here to Phoenix, Arizona. <clears throat> and I've been here ever since. I grew up in a household where... Uh, it was basically a Christian home, but religion wasn't really talked about that much. I was a very intelligent child, highly intelligent child, probably more more vastly intelligent than my parents were at my age. And and it wasn't. It I figure somewhere around seven or eight, when I had done so much research and read so many books and and done so much knowledge intake that I stopped asking my parents questions. They started asking me questions. The oh, fourth grade, I was, I'm reading college material and just beyond. I mean, I'm, I'm out there, but my parents were alcoholics. They drank all their life. All my family, you know, they'd come over on the, the weekend and they answered the uncles and they'd play poker and drink and everything. 
and I'd sneak drinks off the table. You know, they'd give me some or whatnot. Well, over the period of my life, from there, you know, alcohol is just a part of life. You know, there's no problems with it. It's just a part of life. Trying to incorporate that into my being, I'm uh, I'm a perfectionist. I go all the way with all kinds of things. And I went all the way with alcoholism. So by the time I got in and out of high school, in and out of the service, I was I was alcoholic. In 1983, I came to a breaking point where my alcoholism had gotten me to where I had alienated all of my family, all of my friends, destroyed my life, you know, uh, bad, uh, been, was suspended off, the, off a job. I worked for a national corporation and had gone into work drunk. I drove a forklift at the time, put holes in the side of a truck with a forklift. Just all this stuff, it came to a head. Somebody that I trusted came to me and said, you know, I, I'm sorry to say, but I see a good person going down the tubes. And the next day, I reached out. I remember there was a um, a folder, a pamphlet in my last paycheck that I'd gotten before this. That was that was Providence speaking. It said, you know, if you have any problems with anything, that the employee assistance program would help you. Well, I contemplated suicide for maybe 30 seconds, and then I called him up and said, I need help. So he gave me the phone number for. A, a beautiful man named Bob, and he had been sober for over 20 years, and he said, yeah, hey, I understand where you're coming from. Come down here tomorrow morning and talk to me. You know, go to bed. Don't drink anything. You know, don't drink new drugs, no nothing. Just go to bed, get a good night's sleep, come down here and talk with me in the morning. So I go down there the next morning, and I speak with him, and they scheduled me for the next week to go into alcohol rehab. Ed, how, so, Ed, how old were you? <clears throat> okay, I was, um, that's 83, I was born in 58, so okay. do the math. And I'm speaking, that's I can't 25, do the math. 25, 25. <clears throat> yeah, here, I had been, I had married, been married and divorced and married and divorced already by 25. Wow. I mean, I I tried to drink I tried to drink Canada Dry and it was just too big, you know. <laughs> so I I got to where I I couldn't do it anymore. And he said, "You there?" Yep. All right. Sorry. So I couldn't do it anymore. And he says, "That's okay. Look, here's a card with a place to go to. I want you to go there every day this week until your bed comes open." And then we're going to put you in rehab, and we'll help you even further. They gave me a card, and it said, Arid Club Lunch Bunch, 1130 to 1230. Back then, the Arid Club was the longest-running AA club in the United States of America. Wow. I went, and it's in downtown metropolitan Phoenix, a city of 6 million people. And the lunch crew is everything from the Bowery Bums to all of the guys in the high towers with the three-piece suits that are trying to bust through alcoholism. And it was a raw group. I embraced it fully because they told me who I was by telling me their stories. I embraced it fully. I did everything they told me. I dove into service work. After the week, I went into, 
I was supposed to go 35 days rehab in uh, the Meadows in Wickenburg, which is a highfalutin facility was $20,000 a month, which was a lot at the time. But the company I worked for was a big company. They could afford it. So I spent 32 days in there. After 32 days, they said, no, you don't need any more. You got this. You got it good, and you're on the way, and they let me go. Wow. March 22nd was 32 years since I've had a drink. 32 years. Holy cow. March 22nd. Critical in my story because God saved my ass. Nothing else in this world but God saved my ass. You know, I know it. I I I answered a a uh, an altar call when I was fourteen in high school, and I feel like I've belonged to Jesus since then. Wow, uh-huh. it's been a long, long road. I spent a lot of time cleaning ashtrays and stacking chairs and pouring coffee. And then I spent a lot of time going out with other other people that didn't have as much sobriety as I did and relating my story to them of mm-hmm. my experience and strength and my hope. So for those of you that aren't familiar with alcoholism, sorry, sorry, I get a little emotional about this. Those of you who aren't, aren't familiar with alcoholism, it's a mental fog, okay? It is a disease that brings on a mental fog. It is a disease that tells you you do not have a disease, and it's really tough. Well, this mental fog, it's a physical fog when it breaks your body down, but there's a mental fog there, and there's an emotional stoppage of growth. So... I stopped growing emotionally when I was, you know, very young. And by the time I was in my mid-20s here, I'm, I'm stopped drinking. It took a while for my body to heal. Then once my body healed, then it took a while for the, mi- the mind to start healing and the fog to start lifting and the thoughts to start coming a little more clearer, being able to, to remember better, to remember to, to be able to go through things with other people. You know, my story with the ones that have better sobriety, my sponsors, and then me sponsoring others and helping them out, the service work is the crux of helping other alcoholics. You can't keep it unless you give it away. Well, the 11th step says, says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, you know, carried on everything. It says we continue to to, to build our our relationship up with God. It says praying only for the knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Now, er, when I first quit stopped drinking in the early 80s and just started this out, that was what I had to cling to, is I tried to control everything and everybody. I tried to do it right, being the perfectionist, trying to do things the right way, and I tried to control everything, and we're not, in control. You know, we can control some things. There's some things under our control, but there's a lot of stuff that we just cannot control. Well, I was I was hurting so bad because I couldn't control the uncontrollable and trying to console myself with alcohol, it just almost destroyed my life. So I quit with that. I learned a better way of living, and it has to do with rigorous honesty. 
Okay. So now here I'm on a program of living that is based on rigorous honesty. The fog starts lifting. I start clearing up around me my personal relationships with my family, my personal relationships with my friends, trying to clean up the wreckage of my past, trying to make amends to the people that I have harmed, doing all of this stuff, okay? The fog's lifting, and my, I'm getting a better world around me. I'm creating a better world around me, and my sphere of influence gets bigger, okay? So it gets to, you know, like, I got four, four and a half years in. I meet a woman at work and fall in love with her. She's got four kids. She's divorced with four kids, seven, eight, nine, and 11, Okay? And she's still wearing a wedding ring, so I thought she's married. So we were friends for a long time. And I, I hear scuttlebutt from the back of the room one time that she's not married, and it's like I stood up, walked over to her, and looked at her straight in the face and said, you're not married? And she said, no, I'm not. And I said, well, why are you wearing a ring? And she said, well, I just haven't taken it off. From that moment on, I started courting her. In less than a year, I was married to her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> August 25th of this year will be my 30th wedding anniversary. Holy cow. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> I met the woman I was supposed to be with in sobriety. Oh, my and God. Wow. 30 so, years. <laughs> yeah. So I raised all four of those children, and now I'm raising their grandchildren. Uh, I have two of the grandchildren living under my roof currently. Um, there's 13 of them out there, 14 grandchildren. Anyway, back to, my, back to my story. I meet this woman, I marry her, right, living with her and everything. My sphere of influence gets bigger and bigger. Now it gets into the realm of society and the public, okay? Now here's this guy who's somewhat of a recovering perfectionist and alcoholic, I kind of put it in that order because the perfectionism really hurt me more than the alcoholism. So I'm recovering from these things and trying to learn and trying to, and I deal with government and taxes. Okay. Now in the eighties, early eighties, I'm looking around and doing my due diligence research and running to Mr. Bob Schultz. Yeah. So when Bob does uh, one of his, he did the, the blue packet tour. Okay. Yeah, the blue folder. On the blue folder tour, he came through Phoenix, Arizona, and I attended one of his workshops, and that's where I first met him. Okay. Yeah. And wow. at that time, I was already thoroughly convinced that taxation is theft. It's wrong. It's 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 so wrong. I mean, it is so wrong. I mean, I think it's the main reason why we got screwed out of the Articles of Confederation, have the current flowery language document that we have, which is just a punch bowl full of really good stuff with a turd of an article, you know, Article 8, Section 1, you know, Congress shall have the power to lay and collect taxes. Bullshit. So, here I'm trying to recover, but I hit this, and uh, I I got to do something about this. So I got involved with him a little bit, but I'm still on the down low, okay? I'm still incognito by government standards because I've made up with everybody, but I haven't made up with them yet. I don't know if I want to make up with them yet. And, you know, looking at the honesty of it, I mean, I'm doing rigorous honesty things to be rigorously honest with myself, 
They don't deserve it. It's not theirs. It's mine. They've hornswoggled me out of it, and damn them, they're not going to get it. So I've been sticking with my guns with that since then, and they have not received a fucking dime from me. Okay? So on with my story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. By, uh, what was it? When Michael Badnarik yep. ran for president, okay? I watched, the, I watched Libertarian Party debates of Mr. Aaron Russo, God rest his soul, and Mr. Nolan, God rest your soul. God rest your soul, Dave Nolan. I miss you, Dave Nolan. God, I miss you. He's from Arizona, and this, this, that party started in his living room, okay? And I missed the man greatly. I got to sit with him before he died. That was excellent. Oh, wow. But anyway, I saw David Nolan and Aaron Russo de- debate my buddy, Michael Batnarik, and Matt, Mike just stomped their asses. And he got the nomination. I went out the following day, okay? Up to that point... I used to put my name into the search engine on the Internet to make sure there were no results. Zero. You could not find me. I was a non-entity. The day after Michael Badnarik got the Libertarian nomination for president, I went out the following day. I registered to vote for the first time in my life, registered for the Libertarian Party, and got into politics. So... That was an experience right there, getting into the Libertarian Party and going to their meetings, and lo and behold, they're running for offices then. I fill out paperwork to be a precinct committeeman and had it notarized, and they accepted it. I went to the polls. I saw my name up there on the, on the ballot. I voted for myself. Lo and behold, the next day, I come to find out I hold political office in the state of Arizona, in the city of Phoenix, by one vote. I voted myself into office. (laughs) Wow. I have not turned back since then. I've been a libertarian national uh, delegate to their national conventions twice. I've been to two other conventions of theirs, but one of them, I was a national delegate for the Republican Party in 2012, for Congressman Ron Paul. If I put my search engine, my name into the search engine today, there's millions and millions and millions of responses on there. You can get my name, my address, my phone number, where I live, what I've done for the past many, many years. It's all up there. It's all a matter of public record. I was the first organizer in the United States for the first Ron Paul for President meetup group which today still has over 1,200 members worldwide. That was right I did that in Phoenix, right? Is there in Phoenix, right? <laughs> I did that for eight years. That started here in Phoenix. It was actually, we created the, the group in February of 2007 before he declared his presidency because we knew from back channels he was going to do it. So we wow. secured it as the first one. And now, the Love Evolution banner, you guys, you created that, right? The Evolution was born. The first Ron Paul meetup group, one of our members was Ernest Hancock, right? Declare your independence with Ernest Hancock, nationally recognized good guy patriot, okay? 
Ernie created that in our workshop down on Central Avenue, created that famous Ron Paul Revolution logo. He had seen the Revolution Backwards thing on something that he stole a couple of years before that and used it for uh, running for Secretary of State. He put still voting, and it had the Revolution thing on there. And he just kind of used it once and then kept it on the side. But when he married it with the Ron Paul name, that was history, boy. It just took off from there. So, that eight was, years. That was a, that was a lightning yep. bolt. That, that February, that cold, dark February, I remember, uh, Aaron Russo dragged Dr. Paul into the into the running. Uh, and, uh, boy, you were there. Excellent. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So, all this time, I'm still working on my own personal spirituality, working on, you know, trying to be true to my God, trying to be a righteous man, trying to do these things. There's a lot of spiritual material that helps me greatly, okay? I would be remiss if I didn't say a word about Dr. Emmett Fox. I mean, is there... Is there anybody on out there on the call that's not familiar with Dr. Emmett Fox? Uh, I am not familiar. Oh, you're not familiar with Dr. Emmett Fox? Back in the 20s and 30s, was a preacher. Used to go around and preach the gospel. Only his thing, okay? Everybody's got a thing, got a gimmick. His his thing, his gimmick was to try and explain things in as simple a manner as possible. He tried to simplify everything completely as much as he probably possibly could, right? And he wrote so many things that were so great for me that helped me along. But what he wrote uh, a lot of pamphlets, a lot of very short pamphlets. He wrote a lot of books that had just one page that would have one idea in a short thing. It was very quick. You could read it and, you know, when you went to the bathroom. It was one of my favorite bathroom books for a long time. But one of the pamphlets he wrote, was called the Golden Key. Now, the Golden Key was has been crucial throughout my life for helping me not only relieve me from oppression, but to to help me with the things that I can't do, the things that I can't get through, the things that just I, those things that overwhelm us. We just we get so depressed, we get so overwhelmed, we don't know what to do, where to turn to. He wrote this thing called the Golden Key. Okay, which explains scientific prayer. I pray scientifically. I use this these prayers for specific purposes, and it helps me. It works. Well, he did this thing called the Golden Key, and I'd like to present it to you here. He said the scientific prayer will enable you sooner or later to get yourself or anyone else out of any difficulty on the face of the earth is the golden key to harmony and happiness. To those who have no experience with the mightiest power in existence, this may appear to be a rash claim, but it needs only a fair trial to prove that without a shadow of a doubt, it is a just one. You need to take no one else's word for it, and you should not. Simply try it for yourself and see. God is omnipotent. And man is is his image and likeness and has dominion over all things. This is the transpired teaching and is intended to be taken literally at its face value. Man means every man, 
And so the ability to draw on this power is not a special prerogative of the mystic or the saint, as is so often supposed, or even the highly trained practitioner. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, the golden key to harmony is in your hand now. This is because scientific prayer, it is in, in scientific prayer, it is God who works and not you. So your particular limitations or weaknesses are of no account in the process. You're only the channel through which the divine action takes place. And your treatment will really be just getting out yourself out of the way. Beginners often get startling results of the first time of trying, for all that is absolutely essential is to have an open mind, sufficient faith to try the experiment. Apart from that, you may hold any views on religion or none. As for the actual method of working, like all the fundamental things, it is simplicity itself. All you have to do is this. Stop thinking about the difficulty, whatever it is, and think about God instead. This is the complete rule. And if only you will do this, the trouble, whatever it is, will presently disappear. It makes no difference what kind of trouble it is. It may be a big thing or a little thing, maybe a health concern, finance, a lawsuit, quarrel, accident, anything, anything else conceivable. But whatever it is, just stop thinking about it. Think about God instead. That's all you have to do. I mean, it couldn't be simpler, could it? God himself could scarcely have made it simpler, and yet it never fails to work when given a fair trial. I'll tell you what, I've done this many, many times. So many times, and it works every time. Every time. Let's go on. Do not try to perform a picture of God, which is, of course, impossible. Work by rehearsing anything or everything that you know about God. God is wisdom, truth, inconceivable love. God is present everywhere, has infinite power, knows everything, and so on. It matters not how well you may think you understand these things. Go over them repeatedly. But you must stop thinking about the trouble, whatever it is. The rule is to think about God, and if you're thinking about your difficulty, you're not thinking about you're not thinking about God. To be continually glancing over your shoulders, as it were, in order to see how how matters progressing is fatal, because that's thinking of the trouble, and you must think of God and nothing else. See, when you put when you put power when you think of something, you put power and energy into it. Okay, that's one of the things Emmett Fox taught me is what you think of. What you concentrate on, you put power into. Okay? Your object is to drive out the thought of difficulty right out of your conscious, consciousness at least for at least a few moments, substituting for it the thought of God. This is the crux of the whole thing. If you can become so absorbed in this consideration of the spiritual world, you'll really forget for a while all about the trouble concerning which you began to pray. You'll presently find you're safely and comfortably out of your difficulty that your demonstration is made. Okay, that's, that's, all, that's all I'm going to read of it. It's got like another page or two, but the end of it says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, it's, it's really basic. If you get yourself out of the way and put your troubles and your burdens onto the Lord, he'll take care of them. He will. Oh, man. What, what was that called again? The golden key or what did you refer to The golden to key. The Golden Key by Dr. Emmett Fox, E-M-M-E-T-F-O-X, Emmett Fox, okay? He has some wonderful books. 
that I have eight or nine of them, and they're just I've, I've loaned them to people, and they've helped them. So I don't know how long you want me to talk. So why don't we open no, it up? Yeah, we, we might as well uh, add, o- o- open it up. Uh, anybody out there a comment or question for? You know, there are a lot of us on this call who have gone through trials, tribulations that that could use this golden key to eradicate, eliminate, and open up uh, the energy and the power and the wisdom and the love of God in, in, in their lives and our lives as a community, as individuals. So um, for what Ed just said, I'd like to call upon everyone who's listening on this call to look up Emmett Fox, the golden key, just personalize what Ed attempted to describe in his life, in his way, and uh, Ed, you've 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 done this, and uh, a, 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 is it a rush of energy, just a relief? Uh, 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 but you found a, a breakthroughs consistently by following this over the years. You know, it, what it boils down to me is what you think of, you put energy into. Okay, when you think about good things and you think positive thoughts, you manifest good things. You manifest positive things when you you know i have a friend of mine that his wife she says i can't let my wife watch tv because it just incenses her so much i said well yeah because when you watch these bad things and you ruminate on them you're putting power into them you're making them bigger you know you you don't want to generate power into them you want to go and you know if government upsets you go to the orphan orphanage and help orphans take your mind off of it put your mind on the positive things and the less people worry about this the more people are working on it then it'll get taken care of it might not be taken care of by the people that are worrying about it but those people that are worrying about it they won't keep generating energy into the problem when we stop feeding you know the old thing about which wolf is it it's the wolf that you feed okay stop feeding these wolves yeah, absolutely. Right? You know, and, and so many goodwill people, I mean, we're, we're surrounded by just so much negativity in our world. And even the, even the truth tellers, uh, like Alex Jones and so on, not, not that anyone's perfect, but it's scary some of the stuff that, uh, that gets shared. Uh, we've interviewed so many people on this call, and sometimes you come away and you kind of take a, take a deep breath and say, oh, my God, I can't, I can't, can't believe it. <laughs> But, electronic uh, electronic devices are hurting people by overusing them, okay? Sure. One, thing, one thing I'll share with you all right now is all cell phones are tested for radiations on humans with a distance of 10 centimeters between the phone and the human. How many people hold their phones against their head? If you hold your phone against your head or less than 10 centimeters from your head, you are exceeding the radiation levels and irradiating your brain. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah, no, I can't talk on the phone with it up there. I use a headset. I've done that for years. I can actually feel the radiation when I put it up there. <laughs> of course, of course you can. 10 centimeters is what they test it at, but they don't tell you that when they sell you the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, 
I can give you a thousand and one tidbits of information that a lot of people really don't know, but, you know, that doesn't make for one congruent show. Is there any questions out there? Anybody got anything for me? Any questions, please. Anybody out there, comment or question for Ed Vallejo? Ed, you've got some Indian blood in you, right? We talked about this the last time. No, I don't believe there's any Indian in me. Uh, my mother's side is Irish and English and Dutch and German, and my father's side, my father's side, uh, my grandparents came from Jalisco, Mexico, from across the border, and I'm related okay. to Admiral Mariano Vallejo of the of the Spanish Navy, who founded the town of Vallejo, California. Isn't that something? Wow, you got some history. <laughs> but if I put on a turban, you will swear I'm Osama bin Laden. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That but if I, put thing, if I put on a headband, you'll swear that I'm Tommy Chong. Far out, man. <laughs> okay, now, now, your, your handle on Twitter is Psychic Tax, Taxi. Where did that come from? Ed? Well, I drove a taxi for for over ten years, and I'm 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 pretty precognitive, precognitive in that whenever I would drop a fare off and I'd got nobody to pick up, no fare waiting. I would go to the nearest person I know's house, and I know people all over the valley, and eight times out of ten, I swear, I would walk in, bang on the door, they'd open the door, I'd step in, and they would have the phone book open to taxis. And I would say, why are you calling someone else when you know me? And they'd look at me and they'd say, how did you know? How did you know? I said, you psychic taxi, man. You know? Psychic taxi. Where can I take your mind today? No need to call me. I know when you need a ride. Yeah, I had that. There's a guy at, at Burning Man that does uh, pedal taxi, pedal car taxi, right? And he's got this this uh, big tie-dye thing with an eye in the middle of it, and he calls himself Psychic Taxi. I've had this thing for, for Yahoo at PsychicTaxiYahoo.com for 15 years, about eight years in, nine years in, when the Burning Man thing comes up. He sends me this email saying, I'm the psychic taxi. You need to get rid of this email right away because it's mine. And it's like, yeah, right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Uh, Ed, Ed, just real uh, a question uh, for me. Uh, sure. We haven't had you on, you know, it's been, been three and a half plus years. But give us the tenor and the tone and the, the state of the union, so to speak, of the freedom movement. Uh, our, okay, the freedom movement. The freedom movement. Okay, I'm going to say freedom movement. You should stop you there. Don't okay. don't put any more in the freedom movement. Okay, with Ron Paul, I I go to I go to Florida, right? For the Ron Paul thing, we get there. The the RNC regulation says not one penny is supposed to be spent on any candidate until a candidate has been chosen. Okay, we get there. This place is decked out with Romney and Ryan, wall to wall. All the everything, big, huge, five-foot pictures of them in a barn, black and white, holding up their hands in front of a crowd. Everything in the in the gift shop is all Ryan, Ryan and Paul. You know, it's like Paul, nothing, Paul, nowhere, Ron, Paul, nothing. They shut us out so damn. It's like you people, you're really gonna do this? We got back. Okay, it's over. It's over for us. You, 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 politic people, we're done. All the people that were doing that, pushing all of that, they said, you know what, we're going local. And we're not going to go big local, we're going to go little local. So here in Arizona, all the movers and shakers, they look around, they, they take a consensus, they say, okay, 
Uh, Navajo County is the one. So they all move, a bunch of them move out of Phoenix, out of Maricopa County, move to Navajo County, and they're at work trying to develop themselves self-sustainable lifestyles. They said, let's get away from the, we're relying on you for everything, and we're going to get back to relying on ourselves. So we went full prepper on everybody, everything here, maybe 2% of what was going on stayed in politics, me being one of them, stupid me, but I had a lot of connections that I still have, so I'm still in it, okay? I'm still a Republican and still doing that, but everybody else decided they're going to go do this thing, and they, they just split. They went into the woodwork. I actually recently have had five acres in Navajo County taken off the market that all I gotta do, all they got to do is stamp my check, and I got five acres up there with them. When I get it situated up there, I'm running for office up there along with everybody else, and we're going to take over that county. Wow. That's what's in here locally. Now, yeah. nationally, I'm with the Oath Keepers. Been with the Oath Keepers from, from the beginning. I'm the black sheep of the Oath Keepers because this 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 taxation BS, they won't talk about it. Yeah. Look, taxation is theft, okay? That shouldn't be in there. And if you're supporting the Constitution, you're supporting the theft of taxation. They don't even want to talk about it. So I'm the black sheep of the family, and I've kind of been pushed aside. I still do my Oath Keeper bit. I still show up. I still do everything that's needed. But I was told this last Saturday when I went to go do security for everything, I told me, look, if I get a chance, I'm going to the suit and tie. I get a chance to speak. I'm speaking against Sharia law. They told me, and if you want to do security with us, it's under condition that you not speak if you're offered. And I'll tell you what, it, it hurt me to bite my tongue, but it was more important for me to keep people safe and alive against Antifa that said they were going to come and make trouble than me for, to stand up there and tell these people Sharia law to be instilled in the United States will require an act of Congress, which is against the first ten words of the Bill of Rights. Yep. Wow. That's not Sharia law down. Anybody says Sharia, you just tell them that's Pat's statement, right? Like the police. My lawyer says, I'm not allowed to talk to you, talk to him. You know, the Pat statement about Sharia is for Sharia law to be here, Congress would have to pass it. And that's against the first ten, ten words of the Bill of Rights. Fuck you. That's the law. So there's haven't my Sharia. Hasn't they passed it in New Jersey and then some other place too? Um, well, that was a local ordinance passed by a city that was slapped down by the feds as unconstitutional. Oh, good. I hadn't heard that update. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Any local thing that tries to say Sharia, anybody that says, Oh, they said Sharia on me and hurt me. They'll have hammers falling on them, okay? There's people trying to call for legislation against female genital mutilation. It's like, you people are idiots, okay? Female genital mutilation is assault. It's sexual assault. It's assault on a minor. It's against the law to start with. You don't need a legislation. Just start with with the law, okay? Yeah. Enforce the law. But how can you ask an organization to enforce the law when the law says no state shall make anything other than gold and silver for its legal tender? No state. That's pretty damn simple, pretty damn straight. In 1913, they fucked us and stuffed it up our ass, and they still don't want to hear it back, okay? We're still arguing about
about whether it's voluntary compliance or not. Well, guess what? You know what? Don't give them a dime. I'm telling everybody, don't give them a dime because why? You have just pennies to give them, and they're trying to get millions out of people, and they're taking millionaire support. They can't get a million dollars out of somebody else. How can they get money out of me? My last paying job, right, the employer calls me in and says, hey, I got paperwork from the government. Here says that, that they want part of your money. I said, first of all, they don't deserve my money. Second of all, it's stealing. Third of all, where's the court order? He says, what? I laid on Second Circuit a Court of Appeals decision where the judge says that the IRS cannot take anything from anybody, not paper, not land, not money, nothing without a court order. And he says, can I have this? I said, sure. Are you going to send that to him? He says, sure. I said, well, if you're going to send them that, here, send them this too. And I handed him the, the six questions that hundreds of thousands of people have asked the IRS that they won't answer. And, and Michael Badnarik even included those six questions in his book, Good to be King. Oh, comment. Great. Michael's a great guy. By the way, Michael I could Badnarik talk like this for five hours, hours, ladies and gentlemen. I swear, I could talk like this for five hours. Without <laughs> stop. You just, I'm a, you know, Maury Amsterdam is one of my heroes. He was the automatic joke machine. You'd come up with any word and he could tell a joke on it. I did that for years. And I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm ready to run for office. If, if I wasn't moving up to Navajo County, I would be running against Ruben Gallego, who took uh, Ed Pastor's old spot, and he's running just because he's a young Hispanic. Well, I'm a Hispanic, too. Only I'm, a, I'm an older, knowledgeable American Army veteran Arizona home of record Hispanic, and I could beat this snot-nosed kid with both hands tied behind my back. Okay. (laughs) But I can't stay here because when when the hammer falls, people are going to die, okay? And I don't want to hurt my neighbors. I really don't. The only way I could not hurt my neighbors is I'm going to relocate out in the middle of nowhere where I don't have neighbors. Because it's coming, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care what they tell you. It's coming. I don't understand, but it's coming. If you don't have a gun, you better get one, okay? And if you got one, if you got a pistol, buy a shotgun. You got a pistol and a shotgun, buy a good rifle. Right? I suggest 308. Okay? You got those three, start stacking ammo and food. Wow. Yeah. Comment? 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 Comment. Anybody out there, comment Fred. Bueller, I know it's a lot to, to digest. It really is. But I'm, oh, well, I'm forced. I'm going. We're used to digesting all this stuff, Ed, so it's, we appreciate your, your input for sure. Oh, so many things I'd love to talk to thousands of people about, from Zechariah Sitchin and the first people on the planet ever to write anything down in the story that they told us of, of how we got here and where we came from. Boy, that one's a wonderful one. Yeah, Zachariah Sitch is a great subject, too. (laughs) Oh, wow. You know, Christians, right? Let's let's speak as a – I'm going to speak as a Christian for a second here, okay? Zechariah Sitchin put out one of his books with his picture in there where he wanted to go back and check it out a little bit more where he says, right over here, right over there, that's the entrance to Eden. And he said, if if we go there – and we look at it, I agree with him. I bet you that the two angels with their flaming swords that the Lord put to guard 
Eden are still standing there. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> okay. Ask the Christian, why wouldn't they be? Who could possibly move them? I think we have someone asking a question, Ed. Is that you, Dixie? Yeah. Hi, Ed. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, hi, Ed. Uh, It's funny because I looked my name up on the Internet, and I'm still on there. Um, I was with the war back in the 70s. So, (laughs) um, anyway... um, I don't know. I never assume that someone else knows more or less than me. So I don't mean to offend anybody or even you if you do or do not know this. But for those who don't know, people who work overseas for the uh, U.S. embassies, they do not file taxes nor is their income reported. So I have not filed a tax return uh, since 2000, it was 2002. I don't intend to ever file one again, period. Never, never again. They robbed me, and I don't pay taxes no more. Of course, when you go in a store and you buy something, you're going to pay a sales tax. That's a given, but I don't file, I don't file returns. I don't, it's. I'm not signing that form. <laughs> right, your sales your sales taxes don't go to the federal government, so I can understand. I mean, that's used here locally, so I don't, you know, they can have that. <laughs> well, luckily, I'm in a I'm in a state of Arizona. In Arizona, they don't tax food. Oh, that's a good thing. Oh yeah. Yeah, they don't in Oregon either. <laughs> tax is just some Guido with his finger in the pie. That's all it is. Yeah, well, my copy of the Constitution has inside of there the ten planks of the Communist Manifesto. And right. uh, it, the first ten planks are, um, you know, a heavy and progressive income tax, et cetera, et cetera. So Jesus said, know your enemy. I believe the most important thing he said was when he gave us a new commandment. Okay. And it's been twisted by people for a long time. I'd like to clarify what he said, right? Because everybody says, well, you're supposed to treat everybody the way you want to be treated, okay? You treat your neighbor neighbor as yourself. And it's like, no, that's not what he said, okay? He said, a new commandment I give you. He said, you love one another as I have loved you, okay? Now, he's talking to the men that he has spent a couple of years living and working and eating and sleeping and talking and loving and crying and fighting with, that's how we are to love one another. You love one another the way Jesus loved his disciples. That's very direct, very personable, very uh, involved and in touch. He was. Uh, that's that's kind of the message: to, to to be to be close, to be personal, to be involved, to be 
Uh, yeah. truly cares for one another. <clears throat> to be a good friend, to be a father, a good friend. Yep. Wow, that's great. That's that's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, hey, Ed, I, I just <clears throat> now that we're going to talk about this, but a quick snapshot on Donald Trump, in your opinion. <clears throat> Quick snapshot on Donald Trump. Um, I have a, a really close friend of mine who is a TV file. She watches everything TV. She's always going to watch everything, right? Well, when they came up that Donald Trump was running for president, I didn't know anything about him. Didn't know a thing about him. So I go to her, right? Because I knew he had this show, Apprentice. And I remember going over to her house, and she, was, she watched it. She watched every issue, every episode, all of that stuff. I went over to her, and I trusted her opinion. And I, I set her down. I said, look, this Donald Trump, okay, you watch him in all these things. I, got, I just have one question for you. I said, is he a fair man? She looked at me, and she cocked her head to the side, and she thought about it, which meant a lot to me. She didn't just off the top of her head. She thought about it for a second. She said, yes, I'll say he's a fair man. And I said, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. So after that, I looked into him. I trusted him. Now, when I went to register, I registered with a Kasich campaign to be a delegate for John Kasich because he actually balanced the budget. Hello? The man balanced the budget. We need our budget balanced. This guy, he seems like a good guy. Let's try him. Okay, so I registered with them. They sent me an email back with a link to the same registration site. It's like, why am I re-registering? So I go and re-register again. They never call me back. It, it was a big mistake for them on their part because when I got to the state convention, I, they didn't even know about me. And I said, you know, I'm a mover and shaker here. I've been a national delegate four times now, and you guys are throwing me out the window? Isn't that something? Wow. So I ended up not being a part of, and yeah. because I wasn't a part of the machine here in Arizona that was always going to make damn sure that whoever was the winner looked like was going to be, that's who we're going to latch on to because we must maintain power. The machine was for Trump, so they shut me out, and I didn't go. I, nothing happened, and I yeah. became a nun in that, so... I think he's doing his best, okay? But if I would trust him more if when he got in there, he would fire every Muslim Brotherhood damn idiot that's in there to start with. There's still eight of them. There's still eight Muslim Brotherhood-connected people in the administration that haven't put in their resignation and haven't been fired yet. Get rid of them people. Hell, I said get rid of everybody and just start filling with people. Start filling with good people, and we'd be better off than we are today because... We just got, you know, like like when George W. Bush, Bush went in to take office, the last people, when they left, they stole all the W's out of the place, every last W, so that they, they could only write George Bush. They had to go out and buy all the letters of everything. Ha, ha, ha. Well, the last crew before Trump did a whole lot more than just steal letters, I'll tell you. They put so many landmines and bear traps and obfuscation and this and that, and there's still idiots in there that are screwing Trump outright in front of everybody, and we can't do anything about it because 
the empty positions that we have. The Dems are stalling them so we can't fill them, and nothing's getting done. That's what I see. I agree. I agree. Anybody else, a, a comment or question for Ed? So this hour is basically Ed's presentation, everyone. Uh, just to recount, the, 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 the power of personal prayer, uh, Emmett Fox, The Golden Key, look up Emmett Fox's uh, articles, books, records. And, uh, right. I, I George M. Lamza's translation from the Peshitta. Yeah, and, uh, and Ed, if you could send us over, send me over by email the the uh, biblical version of, of Psalm 129, and I could share that with the group uh, going forward from your Bible verse. Okay. Yeah. All right. Can I can I leave you all with uh, something from uh, Henry Steele Commager? Go right ahead. Go right ahead. All right. This is this is from his pamphlet, The Necessity of Experimentation. Okay, he says, we want guarantees that all our teachers in schools and professors in colleges and universities conform to our notions of loyalty and of Americanism, forgetting that those societies like Nazi Germany and communist Russia that enforce conformity on the educators make irremediable mistakes, and that those societies like the English, the Scandinavian, the Swiss, and so far our own, which protect the freedom of the student and the teacher and the scholar, survive and flourish. We want guarantees that our children will not be exposed to dangerous ideas or even to controversial ideas, forgetting that all ideas are dangerous and that only by familiarity with ideas can children ever become adults capable of distinguishing between the true and the false. I think that has a lot to do with the young, the youth today, the millennials, the Antifas, and all those, is they were protected from the ideas. They didn't get to play with the ideas and determine which were right and which were wrong for themselves. And now they're out there as young adults trying to grasp at straws that they're told are right. And that's a big problem. The freedom to... Uh consider, to ponder, to weigh the validity of an idea, in, in effect. Yep. That's what's required. And, uh, Ed, uh, it's an encapsulated a little bit more than an hour, but uh, I think we're going to have to have you back on to, to do it. Uh, uh, another, I mean, these prayer things, I'd like to institute going forward on this call uh, a regular a little segment of this call to to devote to to prayer, to the uh, and, and perhaps we can incorporate Emmett Fox, the Golden Key, and things like that. Because I think you know so many people that um, we've run across on this call, we've interviewed over the years and whatever, they've landed in jail or they're they're no longer, they passed away. My God! And uh, as I mentioned to you, Ed, Bob Schultz is under tremendous, huge, huge, uh, powerful forces of tyranny and attack, and um, he needs our prayers. He needs our, uh, you know, the, the spiritual energy to to release and to bond and protect him. So it was in that spirit that you and I talked yesterday about the importance of of sharing your your message of prayer on this call tonight. And I thank you so much. Um, hey, friend, 
I would be more than happy to come up every week and give you a snippet of spirituality just for everybody to take with No, me. no, I, I'm serious. Uh, a five, ten minute Ed Vallejo shot, shot of juice <laughs> of energy. I know, no, this, this is really important. And, and perhaps people could come on and say, I'd like, I have this good friend or I have, I mean, for example, tonight, before I got on this call, I drove this lady uh, from a, a senior home, the black lady, whose mother passed away when she was 12 and her father passed away when she was 14. She had two younger sisters that she became the de facto mother for at the age of 19 with paperwork, and she was heading to the emergency room at a hospital because her freshman, soon-to-be sophomore high school daughter, had just taken pills in an attempt to kill herself. And I had a brief 10 to 15 minutes in my car when I was you know, ride-sharing her back to the hospital, and I said, ma'am, uh, Sharice, I'm going to pray for you. I, I'm going to I'm going to visualize your daughter's health, and and please, she's going to need your non-judgmental love and care and affection, and and please protect her. And I will I will I will say a prayer. So that's I wanted to verbalize that in 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 the memory of that that dear lady who was in my car, and and that that daughter who tried to kill herself with with overdose of pills. She's okay, but they they. Um, but she's in the ER. Gosh, Fred, what a gift to her to have you pick her up. Oh, no, she was crying in my back seat, just breaking down, and I said, you know, just relax. Mm -hmm. You know, and and she says, you know, I I didn't have a father, I didn't have a mother, and I became the mother, and it just, oh, and she's only 36 years old. Just a dear lady. Yeah. She's got two daughters. I I have a placard up on my wall in my bedroom with a quote from Mother Teresa that will always be there. And she said, I know God won't give me more than I can handle, but sometimes I wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> oh, I know that is. That's great. That's a good one, Ed. All right, guys, uh, the official closeout of the Ed Vallejo call. Thank you, Ed, coming back on our call. And I'm going to reach out to you because I think of this little shot in the arm, little little prayer session or energy session for spirituality and, and help. Uh, maybe we could start a warrior group of people, uh, you know, just, just daisy chain, dovetail this, and uh, invite them on the call. You know, uh, if you meet somebody who is under oppression, who needs some help and whatever, uh, maybe we can all learn from Ed in this whole process and, and, and push this light in this energy and this love forward and, and help others through the power of prayer. Thank you, Ed, so much for coming on our call. And everyone, uh, it's, it's been a wrap. Please stay on the call, talk, chat, or whatever you want. I'm going to stay on for a few more minutes. But, Ed, thank you again. Godspeed and God bless. Ed Vallejo. Thanks, everyone. Hey, Fred? Yes, yeah, Steve? I uh, want to share a little bit of trivia with you. Didi and I were backstage sharing some information. She was uh, sure. wanting information from uh, the first 44 calls, and I wanted to yep. share with you the first time Bob Schultz was on with us is September 20th, 2007. That was the first time he was on with us. September 20th, 2007. Okay. okay. Wow. Was that, what call was that, number seven? or I think it was. I know, Ernest. Number 10. That was the first year. That was the first year of our call. <clears throat> Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was like this call number nine or ten. And Katya, remember, remember Katya from uh, Seattle or Vancouver? She's from Vancouver. 
she was on with us. Yeah. Call number six, four, five, or six, something like that. Alona Blakely was on time. call five. So yeah, it was quite a few, quite a few guests we had a long time ago. But uh, yeah, we still got it's all it's all on the Ron Paul Meetup thing that you started on a Gmail account. All those are still there. Yeah, Ernest Hancock was in call number four, Ed. <laughs> Our first time we had him. Ernest Hancock, he's a he's a true true patriot. My God, oh boy. Well, uh, we'll have Ed back, and everyone, I, uh, you know, I'm sorry I've been absent the last couple of weeks, but uh, next week we're going to have Dr. Marmel right. from uh, you know the Cuba. Uh, the, oh, great! He, he will be back on. He's got some new breaking things that he would like to, to share on our call. And uh, as, as Steve said, Cynthia McKinney, possibly, along with uh, Sherry Phil Jackson, could be yep. guest on, on this call some, at some point. I forwarded that to your email, Fred, tonight, just a few minutes okay. ago. Yeah, that's uh, Betty sent that link over. And uh, that would really, wouldn't that be a surprise to have uh, Cynthia McKinney in with uh, her as well? And and that lady, Susan Maher, uh, Bye Bye Blue Sky, she was going to be on like a month ago. I think she, we'll, we'll get her back. We have not had Ed Crosby on in a long, long time, and he's he's due. I'm going to touch base with him. And anybody out there, uh, there's a lot, you know, I go to YouTube to kind of look at these little snippets of things that are going on uh, with the Seth Rich investigation, Mike Cernovich and Alex Jones, and just there's a lot of researchers out there that have their own YouTube channels. And, and uh, at some point, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll ask him, hey, would you like to come on? We'd like to have you as a guest. And, and because there's so many comments, they they typically they don't respond or whatever, but uh, there's just a lot of good work being done out there. And uh, I, I really am hopeful and, and, and positive and prayerful about, you know, the Trump campaign uh, is behind the scenes really attacking pedophilia. They're really locking down and targeting. And I guess this, a uh, gentleman, a uh, congressman, Republican, who was shot at that uh, ball field the other night, the other day. Oh, by the way, that was Donald Trump's birthday when that happened. Really? Uh, wow. He, he had just come out <clears throat> two weeks ago with a bill to ratchet up and make more formally uh, and streamline the prosecution and, and the jailing of pedophiles here in America. <clears throat> and uh, yeah. he had come out with his own YouTube program. To, to to put that out there and uh, and here he was the one that was targeted. So uh, and, and there's some I guess breaking information tonight that uh, this guy from Belleville, Illinois, who's a Bernie Sanders supporter, who was a shooter. Now he, he may be still alive. We don't know. They say he died, but I guess he was an FBI asset in some way, shape, or form, and he probably had to do some. Some uh, payback for blackmail. I don't know, but you know how the, a lot of this stuff goes. You never, never really know. <clears throat> Another thing, too, Fred, things are all staged. Another thing, too, is that shooting happened on Flag Day. So yesterday was Flag Day as well. Wow. Flag Day. Isn't that something? So uh, uh, Donald Trump, I believe, he just turned 71. Wow. Isn't that something? Well, yeah, well, that's not really all that old when you take care of yourself, you know. I'd like to think anyway. <laughs> yeah, my dad passed. My dad passed away when he was seventy-one, suddenly of a heart attack, and it just brings brings back memories. 
He, he was it was he was young, you know. You think of it, he, you know. Ron Paul's still riding his bike. Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, he's, still, he's still riding his bike. Well, I tell you, he, yep. Oh, I was going to say, the last time Ed Crosby was on our show was August 11, 2016. That was the last time? I have a bunch of notes here on, on 89 Prime Leo thing that you were throwing oh, okay. around. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know, you know, numbers are a hobby of mine, and I, occasionally I've shared some of this stuff on, on the show over the years. But right. uh, there's some crazy things that we're all, you know, we are all connected numerically, energetically, um, with with words, with speech, with, uh, you know, it's just, you know, we call them coincidences or whatever you want to say, but uh, I'm a firm believer that there are no coincidences, that everything is flows from a divinely providentially ordered uh, plan that uh, we need to just let go and let God let it let it happen in our lives that uh you know proclaim the the glory of his will of his plan of his cause in our lives the more we do that the more uh, god will take 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 uh take you through the plat- the path that he that he has designed for each one of us and you're certainly you've been called for many years all of us are called in in special individual ways that no one else is is called to do and and to share the glory in that so but uh, anyway, well, my my experience in in alcoholism and that life that I lived gives me the knowledge base to be able to reach an alcoholic. Because somebody that doesn't know, you know, and hasn't experienced it, they can't they can't tell an alcoholic what their problem is. They can't help yeah. them. You have to have been there. Yeah, and you were born in '58 too, right? Yes, sir. I-G-Y is the, the only year with letters to signify them. 1958 is the International Geophysical Year, I-G-Y. That was the that year mean? that they... What does that mean? That, that's the year that man finished mapping the Earth. Really? The last surveyor's stake in the triangula- triangulation process was placed in 1958... The International Geophysical Year. Oh my God! <clears throat> well, what, what? What? When's your birthday? The fifth of September, nine five. Nine five. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, nine nine oh five is is the sum of this. These words: we are one. Adds up to nine oh five. <laughs> we are one. That's that's a great that's a great day to be born. Wow. But uh, 1958 is, is, was the advent or the beginning of the 23rd cycle of 89. 89 is the prime of the word Leo. And, and 23 is the sum of I is 9 and M is 14. Our Lord's original name and title given to Moses on Mount Sinai, I am, from Exodus chapter 20, verse 2. I am the Lord thy God. So I am 20 is, that, is 23, and 89 is the root prime of the word Leo, which is 356. And 1958 is 89 times 22, which means it's the 23rd, the beginning of the 23rd cycle of 89. That'll take us to the year 2047. So, so uh, you're you're on you're on that wave. <laughs> we're all on this wave because uh, we're all moving through this this pattern in, in our world. And uh, 
by the way, as Dee was mentioning, August 11th, when we had that call last year, that this is this day that uh, this elderly gentleman taught me in this 1,500-page book called The Book of Anglian. There's equations that prove that Christ was born on the 11th day of August in 6 BC. But in any event, <clears throat> I have done research tracking that 89-day cycle all the way back to the birth of Christ, and, and it has never, ever coincided with August 11th until last year. The last time I, I tracked it and followed it was in 1862 during the Civil War. So that's a long time ago, and, I, and I've been waiting for it to hit August 11th. And when we were on that call August 11th a year ago, it was call number 461, and 461 is a prime number and 89 is a prime number. So the number of days that go back to the birth of Christ, you count them up, and then what you do is you factor it to its highest prime factor, and the prime factor last August 11th was 461 and 89. 461 was the number of our call a year ago on that day, and 89 is the prime of the word Leo. Fast forward 89 days, we come to Election Day, November 8th, when Trump, number 45, took over from Obama, number 44. 44 and 45 is 89. And... Uh, and 89 is it's 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 that that the prime number the the root prime of the word Leo, which is the sign of the sun in the month of August, whose ruling planet is the sun, and corresponds to the human heart. So, but anyway, I should shut up. No, that was great. <laughs> so now I've got to go back through boxes and start searching and find. I have a I have a pamphlet somewhere. About uh, it's eight different astrologers and their conjectures on which day Christ was actually born on by the the uh, positions of things in the sky back then. And I'll have to check 11 August of 6 BC. Uh, 8 11 6 BC. It, it, it and I can walk you through it's an unpublished, it, but it's a 1400 page book of Anglion. It sounds crazy, but this elderly gentleman taught me this many years ago, and the damnedest thing, it it, it 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 connects with all of us. It connects with everything that's happening, everybody's birth and passing in special ways, within families, the day your mother and father were born, the day they passed, uh, the day you were born versus the day they passed, et cetera. Uh, and, you know, it's just it's very comforting when you see these things recur and come through uh, on, on a I call it sort of like a numerical Godwink basis. It's uh, it's simple, it's fun, it's non-threatening, uh, but it's meaningful and and uh, it's musical, meaningful, playful, and uh, you know we're not judging. We're you know, but uh, uh, yeah, we've had a lot of '89 passings. Uh, Roger Moore, uh, I think he was '89. Uh, Batman was in his '89th year. Uh, Rockefeller passed away at the age of 89 this year. No, no, he was 101. But somebody else passed it, away. At it, the age it was Brzezinski. It was Brzezinski oh, that Brzezinski, was 89. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> he was 89 too, man. <laughs> so, like, whoa. Yeah, if you're ever it, here in Chicago, Ed, and you you are come to to witness the sunrise with me, because um, I do it every August 11th. I go to the lake shore. And I usually have a friend with me, uh, you know, it's a 
It's an amazing experience. But the sun rises at 555, which is the word N-E-W, like new life. But it, it rises at 555 in the morning. And um, the full disk of the sun is, is risen after, you know, the two and a half minutes is up or whatever. But at 555 is the beginning, the advent of the 356 minutes of the day. The number 356 is Leo. That new light, uh, it, it, it rises above the horizon, Lake Michigan, at 555 for NEW, and that, that's the beginning of the Leo minute of the day. And if you're ever in the prime number table and you walk, have your fingers walk down 356 steps, which is Leo, you'll come to the prime number 2389 which is 23 is I am and 89 is Leo, and that's the Leo prime. So those are just simple little little things, but our Lord placed that, you know, prime number, created the prime number system, created the number numerical system, uh, and then the way the sun rises, sets the planets, the stars, the constellation of Leo against Aquarius and the head being Aries and the ram of Aries is like uh, I am is, is ram, R-A-M is I am, and that's the ram of Aries for the head, the first sign. And then it goes all the way down to our feet, to Pisces, the last sign. When Jesus appeared, his whole body was finished. Uh, the two the, the two feet are, are Pisces, Vesica Pisces. And that's when our Lord appeared yeah, during the age of Pisces. But... Uh, Didi's Didi's the expert on astrology, or more more so than I am. <laughs> no, but you're right off of that, Fred. I I love the way the prime number system fits in on all that. No, it's great. Yeah. So, but uh, well, Ed, Ed, thanks again for coming on our show, and it's uh, the it's a great time to be alive. As Ed said, you know, we got there's 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 going to be some some things coming down the pike here, and and Ed's going to be self-sustaining or going to that land up north or whatever, local, local, local is important from here on out. Uh, turn the boob tube off. Uh, uh, you know, help each other, help our friends, family, friends, neighbors. But again, uh, I think this prayer recitation or concentration and focus is from here on out going to be paramount to everything that happens. And, and I will be calling you, Ed, and uh, maybe we can get that program together five or ten minutes every one of our calls and uh, we'll invite people in to, to, to let's pray for this person. He, he, he's under hardship or whatever and we'll just take a take a moment of our time and, and we can learn how you've, you've done it and then we'll we'll bear witness to that going forward every week, you know. Uh, I've witnessed a breakthrough. I've witnessed this. I feel this. And uh, maybe we can all celebrate that and then encourage others to do the same. So, Anyway, well, I'm going to be heading back home, guys. I've got to get back to my family, but uh, uh, we'll be uh, celebrating Father's Day this Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there for this weekend. Say a prayer uh, for the memory of your father, how you've been influenced, good, bad, or indifferent, and uh, we need more families together to be father and mother together. And... uh, Perhaps next week, uh, well, no, no, next week is Dr. Marmel, but uh, Gary Nobles is doing great work on the Fathers, Fathers Be Fathers initiative. He's been on our call several times talking about the importance of fathers. So, so 
Good night, everyone. Good night, Ed. I'm heading out too, guys. Thank you, Dee Dee. Thank you, Steve. Okay. And anyone else, we'll see you guys next week with Dr. Marmol. Take care. Okay, happy Thanks Father's again, Day, Fred. Happy Father's Day, everyone. You American Underground Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.